and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io My guest today is no other but Erica Green, who is a senior engineering manager at Etsy. And she has a background in machine learning out of all the things. And she's passionate about developing programs and policies for women and underrepresented groups. So I am really glad to welcome you here. Please introduce yourself, Erica, and tell us a bit about yourself. Sure, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I am an engineering manager at Etsy. Currently, I've been there for two years. I'm based out of New York City, calling in from New York, um, where I've been living for quite a while. I grew up in this area. And yeah, my background is in machine learning. I run a team of machine learning engineers. We build the systems that power Etsy's on-site advertising product. I love working in the intersection of engineering and machine learning. And I guess I'll leave it there for now. I can maybe dig into more of my background as we go through this. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Today, we will be talking about a topic that I am quite passionate about because I write on a, on a regular basis, the importance of writing for managers and individual contributors. So first of all, in your opinion, what do you think is the importance of writing? Yes, I think writing is underrated in the literature, I guess, about engineering management and being an IC as in the tech industry. I've just found that people who can write well, and we can get into what well means in this context, it's not literary fiction, but people who can express themselves in written communication clearly have a distinct leg up, I think, in industry and increasingly in this remote era when we are all sick to death of being on video calls all the time and also can't just like grab each other and clarify some point. Being able to put something in writing that you can then give to somebody else really is a way to to scale your influence, to improve communication, to make your life a little bit freer of video calls. And I think once you get known as a person who produces good documents, who produces clean project plans, who can write clearly, people start sending around your documents. And so you can, it's sort of, it builds onto itself. And I think the kind of primary I enjoy writing, but I think the primary kind of pitch for me to other people to invest in this is as a way to grow your influence at a company or grow your influence across the tech industry. Wow, that points us to to very far points, uh, which I am glad to talk about a bit later. But first of all, let's talk about uh, more of the nitty gritty of the essential work. You know, you are an engineering manager or you're in IC and you are trying to utilize writing to the best possible way or to to its best possible self. What are some of the purposes of writing? Yeah, so I would say in engineering, the workhorse of writing, in my experience, the written document is the project plan. And this can look like it can be at lots of different levels of granularity. 
it could be something that's very operational or it could be more of a pitch or a proposal like an rfc request for comment but that format which is you know you have an idea um you're either proposing or it's already been approved and you're you're working on what the execution plan is for a track of work and you want to get other people on board with it you want to communicate what technical work is going to be done either to higher ups or to your peers or to your team and you want to make sure before people start writing code that it's clear what's going on and the risks have been evaluated and the decisions you know you feel confident in those decisions that is like the workhorse document and i spent a few months doing a a fellowship program about tech policy a few years ago tech policy is one of my side interests and the workhorse document of the policy world is a memo you know everyone's constantly writing memos and there's a you know pretty clear format of what a memo is and they teach people and you know you go to public policy school or something to write a memo and and it's very similar actually so i think of the kind of project plan in some ways is a technical version of a memo like it should be directly to the point it should have structure to the document it should be skimmable you know you know one to four pages. It should have some high level diagrams. That's not a policy memo thing. That's more of a tech thing. And you should just, there should be a summary at the top. <laughs> there should be risks called out. There should be options called out. Almost like a enhanced augmented outline. And I think if you can get good at that, and I really see my job as a manager, a lot of it is to coach and train my team to write those well, because it makes my life so much easier. Otherwise, you know, I have to pull out all the details from them. I have to be the one who asks them about the risk. I have to be the one if they thought about everything. I have to be the one who can like reinterpret or reverse engineer what the system diagram is from their head. If I can get them to do that work for me, it makes my life much easier. Right. So if we can get into the the nitty gritty for this this document, you said that there might be risks or there might be options. To me, it sounds almost like you are putting your argument down to paper, like as if you were preparing yourself for a meeting where you have your own agenda to convince a group of people. Um, is it always the same structure for you? And if yes, what are all the points that you always put down? Yeah, I think that's right. I think of it as if I was brought in front of my manager and he really was digging in, you know, really wanted to dig in to what I was doing and what our team was doing. Do I have the documents to make the argument that what we're doing makes sense? I rarely does it happen in my workplace. Do I get like pulled in front of a committee or a panel and forced to defend, you know, what I'm doing like that? But but if I did, if that happened, that's what I think. I, I could send them these documents and that would be a convincing argument. So what do they have? I they generally have the same structure depending on the size of the project and where it is, it, it can depend, but it has a title, it says who the authors are, it says when the document was last edited, so you know if someone's passing it around what the kind of provenance of it is. And then it has a summary, which is not a background, it's just a paragraph of what the summary is. We are rewriting the so-and-so system, we are proposing to rewrite it and go, that project is supposed to take three to six months or something like that. And then the main points are whatever background is necessary for the reader. Generally, I think of the reader as somebody who is 
technical, but maybe not on this team. So somebody that maybe on a sister team to us who would have the context with a little bit of background to understand it. It doesn't have to be so much background that anybody in the world could understand this. And then, so context system diagram, if it's a technical proposal, almost always there's some kind of diagram that's gonna be helpful, even if it's not boxes and arrows of data flow and stuff. And then, and then what you're proposing, basically, the milestones, if it's a little bit more operational, um, if it's to that point in the project, what's milestone one, what's milestone two, what's success, and then calling out risks and calling out any other options. And then finally, a list of resources of like really, you know, more in the weeds, Wix. And that's it. And it should be, I don't know, no more than five pages it would be very long. I mean, we want people to read it. The goal is for people to read it so that they can comment on it. And if you send them, you know, the Bible or something, they're not gonna read it. So there's no point in writing it. You've just wasted your time. Right, thank you. With that said, uh, can we go into a little bit about what's the difference between meetings and writing in our context? Uh, when and how detailed should you make a document? if you already have a meeting for the issue at hand, or if you don't have a meeting for the issue at hand, should you make a document first and then call a meeting? What are some of your tips? Yeah, great question. I would love for people to write documents and then call meetings. I think it would be so helpful. Um, I know when meeting times are increasingly less fun to have meetings in this virtual world. I hate being on Zoom all the time. I would much prefer it to be a place where we really need conversation and discussion in order to make a decision and not a time to go over the background that could just as easily have been read. And I, I believe it's Amazon, I think maybe has a corporate culture where actually they'll send around documents and then read and then it'll just be silent time at the beginning of the meeting where people will read it. Um, so you'd make sure everyone's read it. And that's a, that's actually a fun tradition, I think, because the, the problem with giving all the background and the context and the proposals, et cetera, et cetera, in the meeting is that you have to do that every time you meet with somebody new. And so it doesn't really scale. And if you if people brought up points that weren't resolved, they kind of just go into the ether. But if it's in a document and it's in comments, it's not, GitHub and the whole pull request process, but it's a version of that, right? There is a, you know, a discussion of comments. There's a resolving of comments. There's a little bit more structure and, and, and kind of a process to get to approval in some ways. I mean, this is dependent on your corporate norms, but that's so much more helpful, I think, than doing that in a meeting. So does everyone do this? No, but I'm constantly asking people <laughs> to write it in a doc. And I think that one thing is that people get overwhelmed by, they, they feel like every document has to be really formal. And that's not true. You can just take 15 minutes and brain dump, bold some things, put some bullet points, put a title on it, put your name on it, send it around. Is you know, it doesn't need, most of these documents have a very short shelf life. They're just, tools to preserve what the discussion is and to move the project forward. They're not going to be like laminated and printed and sent around. They're not part of your portfolio. Um, right. They're just communication technique. Yeah. Right, right. They're definitely not the Bible as you yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mentioned earlier. Yes. So uh, before we move on forward, I really love how you have been talking about the importance of writing 
for these documents and meetings and and for the everyday life of uh, the software engineers and the engineering managers. Let us talk a little about all the other forms of writing, for example, writing blog posts or writing feedbacks, for example. What is your view on those and how would you make our writing better for those? So I think then there's lots of different types of writing. So there's external writing, there's internal writing to a broader audience, there's documentation, there's feedback, there's comments and pull requests, there's um, comments in Google Docs or something, there's emails, there's so many different kinds of writing, right? And I think a lot of the training of just being like a professional in a sort of corporate world is navigating and learning what the different protocols are and expectations of this different type of writing. And no one really tells you that. I remember that being very scary when I got my first job of how formal should the email be? You know, who's going to read this document? And I think the norms depend very, 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 very depending on where you are. And a lot of it is just, you have to pick up on it at Etsy. I rarely get emails. Actually, I mostly get emails from kind of corporate administrative purposes. Rarely are we doing communication day to day. We do that in Slack, but how do you get better at writing is I think the same perhaps for all of these different types of um, communication, written communication, which is that you need an editor. You need someone to tell you and correct you and improve your writing skills. It's just like coding. You could get better at coding by coding a lot, but you're gonna get better at coding way faster if you have an editor. And it seems a little bit silly to have somebody edit an email. It seems more like it makes more sense to have someone edit a blog post, but actually I'll send emails around to people. Um, if I'm sending an email out to a broader audience, I'll write it in a Google Doc and I'll send it out to people and get their comments on that email before it goes out. Um, and then early in my career, I definitely had people just line edit my work and my written communication. And I think that's how that's how you get better. I, I don't think it's one of those things that you can just think really hard and care deeply and then immediately get better, like lots of things in life. And actually at Etsy, I recently, along with, um, Another woman at the company were redoing our external blog, or it's called Code is Craft. It has this technical blog, and it just needs a little bit of a refresh. And I'm helping to revamp the editorial strategy. And we actually went and hired a technical editor, like a professional external technical editor. And we've involved him at kind of all phases of the process and you know, brainstorming phase, helping us write guidelines for people internally to write and then actually line editing people's posts. And I, I think I would love to have a full-time editor on, sta you know, on staff actually. I think that's a really smart move for tech companies for all these different kinds of documents, you know, like a project plan. If people want help writing their emails and they don't feel confident about it, you know, let's have some I don't know, <laughs> workshops or something. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a real skill. And it, it's one of these things you're probably not going to be, you know, Shakespeare or something, but but doing this type of writing, it, it's somewhat rule-based. There are best practices. You know, we work in companies, but there's a lot of non-native English speakers, and it would be helpful if we provided them and, you know, us the resources to get that. Yeah. How awesome. Thank you so much. This actually made me think of my previous life i was working at another tech company and i was building the blog which was an, a technical blog and um, i held quite a few workshops for mm -hmm. for writing and for structuring um 
are external communications, but I never really thought of the benefit for maybe helping engineers communicate better in writing in their everyday life and, and throughout their daily job, which I think might be something that a lot of us don't think about because we think it's like, obviously, but it's actually not that obvious. So my first thought is that if you are looking for an internal editor to help you with your email or with your with your docs to ask maybe someone in marketing or in some other department who would you go to to help you um, edit your texts and who would you recommend for our listeners to ask for these editing type of help that's a great question i am very lucky in that my manager has written lots of books and has has been professionally edited and as such is a very good writer. Not everyone is a great writer. Going to your, or you don't have to be great, good. Going to your, your manager is a good first step, I think. They just probably write more. And so if you're an engineer and I see and you, yeah, you want help, you want someone to look over an email, you're going to be sending maybe a, a, a there was a launch of a, the end of a product or something like that and you want to, you're running a launch email maybe we have an internal blog maybe you're writing for your internal blog maybe you're just writing an email you know blast out to tech all or something i'm <laughs> i hit this bug and i don't know where else to go and you just want someone to gut check it i think starting with your manager is a great choice there's also sometimes people who might be in your team who could be strong writers who maybe write more as part of their everyday job. If you're working with a product manager, a lot of their job is communication and getting alignment and stakeholder management. A lot of that happens in written form. And sometimes there's peers who might be, I mean, it's one of these things, how do you know who to go to for a coding question, right? Like maybe your manager is a really good JavaScript developer. Maybe they're a terrible JavaScript developer, but you could, you kind of got to ask around and look around and see who else is doing it. And I imagine, Someone would be very flattered if you asked for their advice. I'm sure I would be very flattered if you if I asked for your advice. And then the other thing to ask for is you can give them the document and get back an edited version, but the way to learn more is to maybe go through the editing process live, actually, or ask them to walk through the changes with you because somebody could correct a bunch of things and change around a bunch of sentence structure. It could end up being clearer at the end and you know more streamlined but but you might not know exactly what rules they were applying right like what they were thinking in their head such that you can do it yourself the goal is not always to have that person be editing everything you do um the goal is to become a better writer and so that's what i would ask i would just be very flattering i've really i i've noticed that you know you're a very strong writer i've appreciated the things that you've written and blah, 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 whatever it is would you mind editing this for me i'd love to this is something i'm looking to improve upon. right thank you so I was just thinking about that it it is like so nice to get asked for help so if somebody is listening to us and is kind of shy about asking for help you know just change perspectives and think about how flattered you would feel if somebody would ask you um just because writing and and written communications and thinking about it this way might be outside of some people's comfort zone perhaps so I'm steering the conversation in a different direction a little bit. Has the pandemic at all affected 
how you write or how much attention you give to writing? And if so, how? Yeah, it's a great question. I hate video meetings, as I've mentioned, <laughs> and I really will do anything to try to get out of, like, particularly the large group. Yeah, video meetings. So in that way, I have found myself asking for things in writing more. Actually, I did a thing recently with a product manager I work with. We had a disagreement about some project, what was necessary, what we wanted to work on, what made sense, et cetera, et cetera. And we had a meeting about it and we got somewhere, but we didn't totally resolve this conflict. And what we did, actually it was his idea, which is a great idea. He wrote what we agreed on, the alignment in a document, the points, and then what we disagreed on. And then we bulleted back and forth. We like, he bulleted and he put his name and then he put his paragraph response and then he sent it to me. And then, you know, whenever I wanted to async, because that's the other thing in this remote era, you know, I don't want to be in meetings, but I am in tons of meetings. It's hard to find time for, for video calls. Um, anyway, whenever I had time, I wrote my paragraph and then he responded to that. And basically by like four or five times back and forth, we resolve this conflict. There was a sort of misunderstanding about something or, you know, that we had came to some compromise and that was great. And it was sort of a fun document. It's just for us where it's never going anywhere. Um, we can archive it. And it was actually a pretty efficient, painless way of working something out um, that was in written format. And I don't think I would have done that pre-pandemic. Right, right. Thank you so much. I hope I hope a lot of people can relate and uh, perhaps uh, think about this use of writing next time they have a disagreement of some sort. All right. What are some of the tools and platforms you have mentioned? Google Docs and you have mentioned comments and email, of course. How do you use the different platforms for writing? What is some of the extent perhaps to which you would make a comment, an email, or a Slack message. How do you differentiate between the different modes? So I think having an editor that you like and feel comfortable with that has spell check is very important, even if you end up copying and pasting that other places. If I have to write an email to a larger group of people, I always write it in Google Docs first, so it's spell checked. And um, I think also for technical writing, having some kind of drawing tool because making things visual is very important and it makes it more engaging it's a much more direct way of getting across many concepts even if it's not like a system diagram of a system but it's yeah, i don't know we went from this phase to this phase to this phase and has arrows and you can look and it's very clear what happened so i think those two things and it can be whatever you want i actually just use google drawing drawings, it's not super sophisticated, but people like using lucid charts or whatever, you know, drawing thing you have, that's perfectly fine. So I think those two things are really important. And then you can copy them anywhere you want. So even Slack messages, sometimes I'll kind of edit, I'll write them somewhere and then, and then put them into Slack if it's longer, kind of, I don't know, announcement message or something like that. You don't want to accidentally press send and then have to like unsend and then resend. That's sort of embarrassing. Yeah. And then what, tools on top of that I, I think that's it that i in terms of like my use what do i use these different formats for i i kind of assume everything in slack is probably going to go away like i don't think it's a great place for 
deep discussion. You know, you lose the threads, you can't remember where they were, et cetera, et cetera. So certainly anything related to like project planning, um, RFC type stuff, you know, where you're discussing what direction to go, um, debugging docs, you know, we use, we use working docs. If there's a real problem, people will just start a working doc and we'll throw everything in there related to the problem. And then they, that can be sent around. Like I'm much more of a fan of Slack for very ephemeral type communication. And then anything else gets put in a doc and you link the doc in Slack, pin it, and then you're off. Yeah. All right. Um, sounds good. Thank you. Now that we have talked about lots of different aspects of writing, and you mentioned a little bit about how your manager is a very experienced writer, what are some of the things, if any, that you have done to sharpen your writing skills and perhaps something that we can um, recommend our listeners to? Yes, that's a good question. So I do ask for editors. I, I get people to read my stuff. I get my partner just on a personal level <laughs> to read my stuff sometimes. He's a good writer. I mentioned I went to this fellowship program. This is unrelated to tech, but I did this fellowship program through the Aspen Institute on tech policy two summers ago and learned a lot about writing policy memos. And we actually, the woman who ran the program had us write many policy memos and like hyper detailed copy edited these things. And I think that made me a better, a better writer, like much more aware about every single word. It's one of these, she said, she actually, she worked for Hillary Clinton when Hillary Clinton was a Senator, I'm sure on her team. And she said every night Hillary would go home with a portfolio, like a binder of a hundred policy memos, which everyone on her team wrote. You, you wonder how these people scale, right? Like you're the Senator, you have to, you have to, make decisions on this whole range of topics. How could you possibly do that? You know, you still only have 24 hours in the day. The way that people do that is they get these incredibly direct, you know, very to the point memos and with the, the top level highlighted, right? We're doing this, we're recommending this. This is the decision to be made in bullets at the top and then more details further down if you want to dig into it. And she would just like go, you know, one down, 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 down. And if she disagreed with anything or had questions with anything, she could dig into the memo, but then she could get through all of this by the end of the day. And then, she, you know, that's that's how decisions were made at scale. And that was very impactful to me. I was like, oh, if I want my team to, <laughs> if I want to scale like Hillary Clinton scales, um, I need the time to deliver these, these documents to me in a much more direct way. And I don't know, I've read kind of tutorials and stuff about how to read, write policy memos, I think. There's way more about that than there is about reading, writing technical. technical. All right. Yeah. So, dearest listeners, the internet, as always, yeah. is your friend, <laughs> and you can uh, look into some of the blog posts and resources that are out there for, for everyone to sharpen their writing skills. With that said, Let's steer a little in the direction of mistakes. So if someone is listening to us and they are now fired up about writing and want to utilize it more than they have been doing, then what are some of the mistakes that engineering managers should avoid and how should they avoid it? Yes. So the first thing with writing is always to think about your audience first. So who is going to be reading this and then write to the audience. So provide enough background for the people who you want 
to get their input on the document. And that varies. But I think one thing that people make, one problem, mistake people make all the time is they don't keep that in mind. They go too deep, they go too high. And I've heard good advice that you don't want, you can go very technical, or you could go very high level, but you don't want in the same part of the document to do both because they're really targeted to different types of people. Even if in the same document, you have something very technical and something very um, high level, that's fine. The people who are gonna be reading those different sections are probably gonna be different people, which is great. That's totally fine. That's okay for a document, but you want them to be separated structurally in your document. And so that's one thing. I mean, people will just like dive into some like low level details in the introduction or something. You know, no one's gonna get past that. That's one mistake I see people making. I find young people, younger than me, use a lot of parentheses and slashes, and it's just like one long run-on sentence with 12 different parenthetical clauses. Don't do that. Short sentences, periods, punctuation. Almost never do you need to use a parenthesis. I would probably say never on the safe side, and you know someone can add them for you. Um, they write like they text. That's a problem. <laughs> Visuals, you know, take the time to make a nice visual. It will sit you, then you don't have to explain it, or you can explain it much more directly in a much more cohesive amount of text. Um, and then the other thing is just people make it to be like a scary big thing, so they don't do it often. So I always tell people this is a common piece of advice, but like shitty first drafts, just write like really bad first drafts, and then you can go through it again. It's so much easier and more pleasant to just to clean something up than to write it the first time. So I don't know if you're really feeling like writer's block, like have a cup of coffee or have a glass of wine and just like throw your ideas on a piece of paper. And the phrase I think is write drunk, edit sober. So nice. yeah, <laughs> I think that's another thing, you know, like you, if you, if you're only looking at really refined documents that have been edited many, many times, it can feel like it's an a hill to climb, a mountain to climb that you possibly can't possibly climb. But the way to start is just to write really bad drafts and then and then you'll edit it and other people will edit it and it'll end up turning out much better. I have my team write with start with outlines. You know, we bullet point things. I'll just be like, even in a one-on-one, -on -one, okay, we have to write this document. We're writing um top tips of using data flow or something. And me and this engineer on my team, we just we just bullet pointed it. What about this? What about that? Oh, these two go together in a half an hour meeting. We had an outline and now he's going and filling it in. I'll edit it. We'll collaborate on what diagrams we want and we can much more quickly get something out than if what I required from him was a fully formed first draft. I think that that is a very intimidating thing for a lot of people to write. Right. And I'm glad you said that because I really want to make a disclaimer here for our listeners because I think that we are as humans are prone to like go from one thing to fully go into the other thing and if someone is listening to us and is hearing all this good advice about writing they might be thinking okay I can just leave all my meetings out and just write people and I feel like it's important to mention that there is a space and time for writing but there is also a really um, scary chance of misunderstanding each other when we are only communicating in writing. So there's definitely a place to co-write a document outline, as you just said, and for meetings where you can clarify perhaps some misunderstandings and uh, make sure that everybody is on the same page, quite literally. 
yes, I will say I have tons of meetings all week. I, I don't only write in written communication. I think my meetings are more fun when we have, when we could get to something substantial to dig into. And a lot of the times that happens when we've done a little bit of prep work, even thinking to ourselves, you know, like one lovely part of the writing process is it makes you, it forces you to clarify your own thoughts. So even if you write it down and don't send it to anybody, I think that has a way of like making the meetings that we do have more productive and, and more useful. Right. Thank you. So even there is an important phase for your own thinking to have things uh, written down, which is really awesome because you think of writing as a tool to convey information and to perhaps have it be more in stone, so to say, like more permanent in a sense, more permanent than meetings. But then sometimes you just want things to be more permanent for yourself, which is cool. So with that said, you mentioned quite a few of these ideas, but if an engineering manager is listening to us and she or he wants to really push their team to perhaps try out writing more or create more documents for themselves, how would you say they should start? I think it's helpful to have a template. I think it's helpful to name different types of documents. This is the project plan. This is the RFC. This is the proposal, you know, different, and it can be different levels. And just to write a template, a one pager template with the different sections and a description of what should be in each section. And then that template can be copied and used. So it, I think you're asking a lot of your team just to say, hey, I need that in writing and not provide them any guidance of what that means, right? So provide them, right? Do the do the legwork to provide them a template that they can copy and use and maybe help them the first few times, right? Do it together, co-write, take a few sections and write it yourself and they can take a few sections and write themselves and you can collaborate on it. So that would be the first thing. And then the other thing is, I think this is work, it's real work. So we track it like real work. So writing a project plan is always, you know, it's a Jira ticket just alongside coding and writing external blog posts. If we are going to prioritize doing that, that takes a tremendous amount of time and it's real work. And so we actually have a writing epic in you know, our project management software and we write tickets and say, that's what I'm going to do today. I think that there's a little bit of stigma on engineers of saying it, it feels sometimes like it's always it has to be a side project or something to do the writing like it's not real work their real job is coding but that's not true so i think anything you can do to destigmatize saying at stand up what i'm focusing on today is writing a project plan for this project or what i'm focusing today is reviewing this platform team's proposal to rewrite our entire system in java you know that's an important thing to do and it's worthwhile to, to do it and, and take it seriously. So yeah, I, I make it real work and I write templates and then I do it alongside them for the first, oh, always actually, I, mean, I will often do it alongside them. Thank yeah. you so much. And thank you for stating that it's also work. Um, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I really <laughs> need to hear that too. <laughs> yeah, or writing documentation. I mean, if you don't put that, if you don't pull that out separately, it just doesn't get done or it doesn't get done well. And so 
if you want to do it well, and that's your goal as the manager, you've decided this is a thing that you think is important. And it's okay if you don't decide that, but if you decide that, then that has to be, yeah, seen as work at the same level and have somebody edit the documentation. Um, there's just writing documentation. That's great. That's a first step. I've read tons of terrible documentation that leaves me more confused than I started. So it's worthwhile if you're going to take on the work to write documentation to take on the extra step of writing good documentation. All right. Thank you so much. We have touched on a lot of things. We talked about empowering people to take the time and write clearly. We talked about the different forms of writing. We talked about asking for help. We talked about even going out of your way to make sure that your direct reports have all the necessary help to start being better writers. We talked about also reaching out online and seeing what are some of the resources that are available. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to share with our listeners about the importance of writing? Yeah, I think the final thing is that it's very fulfilling to me to write things that are public, that are external to the company that would follow me and has followed me from these different roles and jobs that I've been in. And I think it's both good for you know people's career development, it's good for your report's career development, it's good for your own career development to write things publicly. But it also can be, we do all this work, we build all these things, we invest so much time, and then we move on to different companies and we have nothing tangible to kind of show for it in many ways, right? We have bullets on LinkedIn, you know, <laughs> summaries and stuff. But if you have a blog post, if you have a tutorial, if you have, have put something out there in the world, there is just something particularly fulfilling about that and how it can stick around. And, you know, who knows how many people are reading this, but you can send it to somebody else and say, hey, this is the write-up of the work that I spent three years doing. And, and so even though it's a lot of work to write blog posts and external communications or, you know, giving talks is another form of this, I would encourage people to do it. And I have to keep telling myself that too. I'm bad at this sometimes because, you know, the day-to-day, -day, what is the, the thing day-to-day -day that's gonna make my life better? The most easier is probably just doing the internal work, you know, writing the, I don't know, reviewing the document doing all of my internal work. But, but it has been incredibly fulfilling externally for me to do this. And I wrote a blog post when I worked at the New York Times eight years ago or something. I still get people reaching out to me about this thing. And it was a side project, but I did put in the extra work to write it up really well. And I made all the diagrams and I open sourced some software. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of the cooler things I think I've done in my career. And so, yeah, I guess I would just encourage people to take that extra step. The, the other thing is I did a random mentorship program when I was at the Times, we produced all of these documents, how to be a mentor, how to be a mentee, how to structure the program, all of this stuff. and. I, I took a few days and put it on GitHub and made it a website and now it's public and I've sent it around to people all over the, you know, it comes up once in a while and then I can right. send them to the public. So, so it doesn't even need to be a technical post. It could be a program you created or founded, um, how to start a podcast, right? Um, maybe do's and don'ts. And you could put that up on a website or on a blog post and then it lasts. So yeah, that's my final thing is I think it's, I think it is worthwhile, it is extra effort, it is scary, but it is worthwhile to, to write things publicly. Thank you. I, I think that's really encouraging for some of our listeners who perhaps don't have a presence online or publicly yet. 
With that said, where can our listeners follow you now? You mentioned the blog for Etsy, but um, where where should they get in touch? Where should they read your stuff? Sure. Ooh, now I, now I have to write more. <laughs> you can uh, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm if you just look up Erica Green, Green with an E at the end. On LinkedIn, I'm currently working at Etsy. You can find me. I accept almost all LinkedIn requests. I have a Twitter account, which you're welcome to follow me. I tweet maybe every two months, um, largely about how Facebook is ruining the world. And you can also, I don't know if you, I mean, if you were hiring on my team, if you're looking for a role, you can email me. It's my full name, ericagreen at gmail.com. And yeah, I think that's, that's mostly it. And then Coda's Craft is, we're doing a lot of work on the back end, revamping it, but it's a great blog. There's great content now, and there's going to be even greater content in the future. It's just codeascraft.com. Thank you so much. Dearest listeners, if you are not yet following Erica, you can go ahead and do so now. I think we touched on a lot of really important parts of writing and not just what we might think of when we first think about, you know, oh, it's important to write. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead and uh, perhaps find your niche on the internet and uh, share your own story about what you work for or how you work or what you're doing with your life. I think it's just really fulfilling and really important to also like let our creative energies out. And if that's writing, then that's great. And also be really succinct and really useful when you're writing things for your company, for your day job. So uh, with that said, today, my guest was Erica Green, Senior Engineering Manager from Etsy. And we talked about the importance of writing for managers and for individual contributors and for just humans in general, I think. Um, I had a really great time. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you. It was wonderful. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.